Podcasting straight from North Carolina is Dr. Jennifer Eichner-Lowry sharing her author journey with you. Jen Lowry writes is a place where amazing things happen for authors and readers together. The Holy Spirit is the ultimate podcast host. Jen is just the bird singing the song. She is a published author, educator, homeschool mama, life coach, and dreamer. Join her on the daily journey of discovering what this writing life is all about. Let's see what she will be led by the Holy Spirit to talk about today. Here's Jen. Thanks for supporting my Jen Lowry Writes podcast. My purpose is to inspire and encourage others to chase after their writing goals with faith and courage. By hitting the support this podcast button and with your monthly contribution of 99 cents, $4.99 or $9.99, you are helping me chase after mine. Welcome to my official author podcast. My name is Dr. Jennifer Lowry, and you're on the way to work with me this morning. And I wanted to talk with you guys about some of the reflections that I've been having lately about my difference in productivity and workflow with 2019 versus 2020. Now, I understand that we are in a completely different world than last year. And I understand that there have been tons of pressures coming from all different ways for me that are outside of author life. But last year, when I would write, I would find that I could sit for long, sustained periods of time. I would be able to, you know, dedicate full-length days from I'm talking 5:30 a.m. wake ups to until the time I go to bed only to stop to eat and then I would have books that would be complete those first drafts complete then I would go through the beta reader process and, and all of the you know the five rounds of editing and all of that that I've always done but last year I was releasing a book a month starting in July well this year it totally changed I started out doing the rapid release again and there are benefits to rapid release I am not saying they're not I find that looking back over the body of work that I've produced I'm proud of it I feel like I could stand behind that work and I do love the stories, but this year started January, February, March, and I was rapid releasing, and then coronavirus hit, and the work changed, and the dynamics changed, and so much was happening, so then I started focusing in on just the writing component for 2020. I knew that sweet potato was coming out and I had this wake-up call one day I was in a meeting with the publishing group and it was wait if you you know here's your cover reveal dates here are this and you have to wait you can't compete with yourself <laughs> and I'm thinking oh and she wasn't talking to me she was talking to another author and I was like oh 
Okay, so I got off of that call and I went to my group and I said, my writing group, and I was like, guys, hold me back because I've written Bad to the Bone and I want to hit publish. Now, I wrote Bad to the Bone as an early reader chapter book. So it would have went along with the ghoul school line. It was going to be, you know, second grade, you know, ages, you know, seven and up. And I was going to expand that target population, that audience for those readers. Well, no. I said, wait, I can't be, you know, I can't be doing this. I, I've got to, I can't stop writing, but I have to stop publishing. <laughs> so with that, knowing that, you know, I had the Faye done, the Faye of Averly. That is my middle grade's fantasy. And it was only like 20,000 words to begin with, maybe 23,000 words. Then I had Bad to the Bone. Then when Nano came up and I was practicing in July, I wrote The Sunday Killer. And then My Fly Felix and Me. And so I had these four books that were still birthed in 2020, but they were not published. And so this has given me an opportunity to slow down and reflect and can kind of do a comparison. It's really hard though, guys, because honestly, when I, you know, I try to talk to my son about when we're looking at research, you've got to be careful because you can't compare apples and oranges. It really, 2019 and 2020, it's like an apple and an orange. And you know, with all of the mediating factors here that I'm, you know, considering my reflection pieces can be maybe a little jaded <laughs> or they can be a little, you know, skewed. So I am prefacing all of this by saying that, that I still felt like doing a reflective practice and having that conversation with myself about what is different and what can I learn and take away from this holding back process. And the first thing that I have recognized is that my work has evolved. My work has drastically changed. So what I mean by that is that I'm not a pantser anymore. I'm actually a planter. <laughs> and doing the loose plotting has allowed and plotting backwards and seeing where I'm going with my work it has allowed me the opportunity to work efficiently. And I do feel as if I could produce work last year. I mean, I would just sit in front of the screen and I would type. But when I got myself into this headspace of 2020, that really wasn't working anymore. And I needed a new strategy. And so this has proven to me that I can adapt and change and try new things and take on new editing techniques as well. Not to say that my work previously didn't work for the time, but 2020 has offered new challenges to me. So I had to, you know, stop making the excuses about it and say, okay, well, if I do have a limited time to write now, what could be the most efficient way? Well, let's try to plot it out. So that way when I'm sitting in front of the screen, it's full force 
I have to just fill in all of those missing pieces, but the main chunks are there. So it was almost like I had the corners and the outline done, and then all I had to do was just fill in the scenery. So that actually was very productive for me, and I may continue to write that way. Even when I was prepping for the nano work, I did a live and I outlined two stories, one that I decided not to do for NaNo, but I still have the outline, thank you, so it was really not wasted, and two, the ones that I am doing for NaNo, I've already plotted out, so I feel really good about stepping into that NaNo space because I already have a lot of the pre-work done, and that's what prep is all about, guys, that is the point of the prep, right? Another thing that 2020 has allowed me to do, it has allowed me to try a brand new strategy because when we went out for coronavirus, Kate DiCamillo with Candlewick Press started to do a series. And if you've not watched it, they are so short. Um, seriously, like two to three minutes on some of them. And I think there's like 12 in the series. Don't quote me on that, but there are quite a few of them and they are very good. And she talks you through some steps for writing and some tips. So, of course, Kate DiCamillo is my favorite author. So, I love her writing style. I love that she writes books that matter. So, I'm like, okay, what I want to hear what she has to say. Because I really respect her author life. And here we go. I hear this new thing where it says, you know, she goes, write your book. Walk away from it. And then do the rewrite. And I'm thinking, wow, like, let me try this thing. I've never done that before. So I knew that Ghoul School was done. And it was an early reader chapter book. Right? Second grade. Early reader. Short. Punchy. Everything it needed to be for the younger groups. Well, then everything started happening in the world, and all of my emotions were starting to go haywire, I guess, with everything happening in the world, and I had to have a place to channel all of that, and I also had to have a place to talk about how things might be wrong and how children could use their voice to make it right. So, Ghoul School ended up taking a completely different shape. And it ended up being a middle grade horror comedy, but it does have a thread in there that is standing up for what you believe in and being segregated and not allowing it to happen anymore and doing whatever they could in their power as youth to stand together, not apart, even if that meant facing the town facing the council, showing that they worked better together than apart. So, Ghoul School completely shaped in a new way, became a full-length middle grade, and to my surprise, I have a companion novel that I had kind of like these ideas in my head that I wanted to write for families, like I wanted to do this new concept. So, I already have the companion novel for Ghoul School. And now I have the middle grade volume. I have that one. So, still can't hit publish on it. Still sitting there. Then I went to um, a nano event. 
The only reason why I went to this event, well, two reasons. One, I love to hear authors talk. I so adore hearing author story. You guys know that. That's one reason why the podcast interviews touch my life in such a deep way. So I was reading for the Soul Food Book Club. I had an opportunity to start the Soul Food Book Club over the pandemic. And I've been reaching out and connecting with readers. And I've built my own club. And I absolutely love the Soul Food Book Club because it pushes me outside of what I would read. And so my first challenge to myself was sci-fi. Because I don't read sci-fi, I don't watch sci-fi movies. My husband is a huge sci-fi fan. And so I was like, you know what? In honor of my husband's love of Star Trek, I shall find a sci-fi, one of the best sci-fis out there. So Marie Lou's name continuously was popping up. And I was like, okay, I've got to check out Marie Lou's work. She's a young adult author. So my book club is for YA and MG readers. So that's pretty much where I surround myself on the daily. You guys know that. So I'm like, okay, I'll start with Marie Lou's War Cross. Absolutely loved that book. And so when Nano had her as the Young Writers Program speaker, of course I had to get there and listen and, and get into the chat. And I listened to her and she said she no longer uses beta readers. And I was like, what? She's Marie Lou, y'all. Okay, so I'm not comparing myself to Marie Lou. She was like, the person who gets it is my agent. My agent gets the first three chapters. And then after that, it goes to my editor at, at of course, the publishing company. And I'm like, okay, you know what? I can learn from this. My Aunt Dot is my greatest champion. I know that I have my Aunt Dot in my corner. And my Aunt Dot is one of the most avid readers that I've ever met. And she's also honest with me. Even though I know that it is probably going to be rose-colored glasses, it comes very nice. However, I knew I needed a strong editor. I knew it. And I knew that I needed a beta reader, which could be my Aunt Dot. And so I stopped stressing out about the beta reading process. And I said, if I just had my one good Aunt Dot beta reader... <laughs> I'm, I'm very satisfied. If I can't get other people, then that's no big deal. I'm not going to stress about it. It's going to be people in my circle. Because they know my writing. They know my style. So, I've the people that have read my books over time need to be the people that read my books continuously. Because... I need for them to know, wait, Jen, this is so not you. This is not typical your style or your voice. And I need them to be able to tell me, wait, slow down, you know, rethink these scenes or whatever. And somebody who's never read any of my work before, you know, I need to see that continuity. I need to have that as a check for myself. So I kind of resolved this kind of little silent battle I was having about beta readers. Now, not to say that... <laughs> The book that I have, My Fly Felix Meet, has about 40 beta readers. The people were just more inclined to read my children's book than a full-length novel. And it's time, guys. It's time crunch. You know, you ask somebody to read your work and you say, well, I want to let you know in advance. It's 285 pages. Well, um, they're probably either going to say yes or sure and then not do it. <laughs> or, or maybe they will. 
Um, but I had to quit beating myself up about the whole beta reader thing and just go with what I felt the Lord had given me. And then secure a competent and efficient and wonderful editor, which I have done. So that has come out of 2020 because of my slowdown process. I've now secured an editor and Sally Shoup is amazing. So she will be receiving one of my books um, probably each month at the beginning of the month and have that as a task for her. So I'm probably going to be sending more people her way once you guys know, like Sally Shoup. And I let her know from the beginning that, you know, if she saw some glaring developmental edit issues, content gaps, please call them out. But to understand that the story was written in the way that the story came to me. And I've honored that progress, progression through this this plot. And it's meant to be this way. If you see the holes, please let me know. Um, but please, you know, do the surface line edits. Do make sure that I've got, you know, my commas in there, the words. You know, I'm typing fast, guys. If you've read one of my books and, and you see some errors, just forgive me because... I know, like, I'm making an excuse right now, but forgive me and understand that I was in the place where the story mattered and the publishing mattered of it, not necessarily the longer process. And so that's what I've learned in 2020 is to slow down. So that means that each month I will be resubmitting some of my older books to Sally and Sally if there are some errors in there she can catch them find them and then all I have to do is go right back up to Ingram Spark and put in the new files so if you have caught something um, don't hold it against me in life just know that um, the work will get done but it will be on a monthly basis and I have had professional editing done on some of the books not all of them so the ones that need it will get it. Um, and, I, and I understand that. I understand what I need to do with that. All right. I got to slow down to get into the parking lot. So another thing that I have learned in 2020 compared to 2019 is that before hitting the publish button, that there are the launch plan steps that I need to take in order to shine the light on the work. And so last year, I wrote My Boyfriend's Bag. And I love that book so much. I had already planned to release the Heartwell Chronicles, you know, around Halloween because it's my exorcist book. And I was trying to be thoughtful about all of that stuff last year. But guess what I did? I released my boyfriend's back and and told the story behind it and all of that. But I did not do the steps that I needed to take care of that work. Now, it was my silent beauty. It is still on the bestsellers list in audio. I understand for clean and wholesome romance, it's still sitting pretty. And I'm loving that people are loving that book. Even though I don't have the reviews to show it, you would think no one's read it. (laughs) Um... However, with that being said, people are loving that book. And I'm hearing great things about that book. But I could have done more. 
And I look back on it, and I'm like, why? And so when Brinkley came along this year, I really was in that slow down space, and I was like, okay, I'm really going to think this through, and I'm going to put all of the things that I've been researching together, and I'm going to launch Brinkley the way that I feel, you know, that I'm seeing out there in the industry. So I launched Brinkley that way, and it got number one new release, and I said, see, look at that, traction from the very beginning. I need to slow down. I was yielding results. And Brinkley was getting great responses, not only from my beta readers, but from families. And I was receiving videos from families of kids looking out the window going, where's Brinkley? Or showing me pictures of Brinkley. And I was like, I've got it. I've got Brinkley makes headlines. And one of my sweet author friends emailed me and said, can you show me what you did with Brinkley? I was watching. Now, I didn't know she was watching. I had no clue that she was, you know, taking notes or trying to pay attention to what was going on and the way that I was releasing Brinkley. So that's when I put together the first webinar. So if it wasn't for her, I would not have had webinars in 2020. And I had a succession of webinars where I met new people, one of those being Sally Shoup. <laughs> my editor, she came to one of the webinars that I had on Eventbrite. If it would not have been for this series of events, I would not have met her. And so I do believe it was a God thing. This, let's slow down. Let's use the launch plan. So I used this launch plan. It was effective. Then I was watching my publishing company launch Sweet Potato and the ways that they were handling Sweet Potato Jones. So I was like, why can't I take those applications and apply them to my own life as well? Because that's thinking, you know, collecting data. That's thinking smart through this. So that's when I was compiling lists and brainstorming with my author friends. You can go to YouTube and it's me. Riley Cross and Allie Likes to Write, Allie Hendricks, we were on a live together and we brainstormed like 50 ways that we could reach out to the K-12 audience so and to teachers. And so all of this work was helping me to shape myself as an author, but as a support system for other, not only authors, but teachers because I knew that K-12 is one of my first loves. This is my life, guys. I've dedicated my life to the K-12 system. So here I am, you know, thinking through all of the things from 2019 and how I missed the opportunity to launch my books. But that's okay. Because as I reminded people in the webinar, there's always times to celebrate. There's always ways that you can celebrate a book. So if you guys see, you know, me reading Ghoul School with a hat, you see me celebrating that book because I've read chapters one through seven on YouTube and I have given it for free for families for access this year during the pandemic. If you see me talking about the Teenage Exorcist, the Hartwell Chronicles, it's because that book did not receive the care and the love that it should have received last year. So, it will be, you know, refocus, attention, rebirth, all of that. So, I will say that the mistakes that I made in 2019 
are not the end of the world. I can recover those. And it's lessons learned, guys. It's steps. You're learning as you go. And you can learn from me and what I'm saying in my whole reflective talk with you. Also, go and do your own reflective thinking practices. And I've got some great questions to help you with reflective thinking. You know that I'm a trained cognitive coach. And so I will practice my own questions on myself sometimes when I kind of get a a muddled brain and I kind of don't even know what to think about what I'm thinking about. So I will go back to my reflective questions and help, you know, that will help guide me. But I really try to do this and I do journal it. But you guys are my journal. So thank you for listening to me. So what is going to happen next? So once you have your reflective practice, And you start talking about, you know, your similarities, your differences, your growth, your successes, your weaknesses, areas of improvement. What can you do next? It's all based on what you've reflected on and what you've seen, whether they've been patterns that you've seen, whether they've just been one-time occurrences. What is it that is about you that is maybe driving these factors? And so then it goes even a little deeper. And so for me, it was the excitement of having a story. I was so excited that Bridges was ready and it had went through the processes that I was going through last year. That trilogy, I love it so much, guys. And here it is now about to come out on audio. It has taken over, you know, a year to see the full set coming out. But I'm telling y'all, I love that trilogy. But it still needs to have its day in the sun. It has not well in the moon because (laughs) Seth can't be around the sun because of his lupus. But I'm telling y'all, I absolutely loved that series. I was so heartbroken when I finished writing that trilogy. And I hit, you know, here, let me just hit the button. I'm going to publish. Looking back on, on that, I know that I still have work to do for 2021. And that's why this year, this slowdown year, this reflective year, this writing year, I've still written four books. So I do feel accomplished in that sense. But I've also had time to plan. I've also had time to try new strategies to develop the books. The Faye of Averly was a 26, 27,000 maybe, 20 to 27. Then it moved. Now it's in its 40s. It's like 47,000 now. So the rewrites have been an amazing strategy for my early work. Um, All of these new things have come about and it just is a learning process. And I had to figure out what worked for me as an author. And now I'm going with it. I'm probably going to continue the jam boards and the color coding and the roller coaster and the three-act structure and all of the things that worked for me this year. I'm going to continue that with my work. And so you guys are going to be hearing all about that stuff on the way to work and on the way home from work. <laughs> so today was more of a comparison, reflective practice. And then hopefully, if I don't forget what in the world I talked about this morning on the way home, because um, that's life for me sometimes, I do want to talk about my next steps in 2021 and the vision that I have for that. Because as you're working short-term goals, 
So I do have my short-term goals. Like yesterday was my cover reveal for my Fly Felix and me. I, I have goals that are sequential goals. Today, I'm talking about the illustrations behind the book. I know steps that I'm taking short-term. I know my, that my launch date is January the 1st. I have more of an of the outlook now, but I also have plans for other books, other projects for 2021, and those are going to continue to develop. Um, I'm going to actually set up one of my nonfiction books. I always release a nonfiction book each year. The Bible devotionals are a, a, the, what started me on this author journey with Everyday Mom Challenge. And I'm going to continue those. And I don't promote those either. I don't promote those enough. And, you know, that's stuff that I've got to just do better at. And we all have something we need to do better at. Um, and, I, and I need to just talk about the books more, be out there, be present more. And I'm going to continue to find ways to do that. So I am going to be working on my nonfiction work, too. In the same time that I'm working on my fiction work, um, I can't just give it up, guys. I can't. I'm gonna. I'm in it to win it, y'all. <laughs> in it to win it. And I know you are, too, because you're listening to this crazy podcast and this woman rambling on and on. And I hope you have picked up some of the techniques that you can do as reflective practice to compare 2019, 2020, and if you need those questions, email me, jenlowrywrites at gmail.com. I've already given them out to my WWJs and a slide, in a Google slide. I've created them a calendar and a goal-setting sheets. Um, so just let me know if that's something that you would be interested in me talking more about because I would love to talk about short-term and long-term planning as well. So I will talk with you guys afternoon. All right, bye. Now that you found me on the Jen Lowry Writes podcast, I challenge you to head over to where books are sold and find me there. I've published 11 books so far, and I write clean books for all ages. Horror, paranormal, sweet romance, fantasy, historical fiction, you name it, I've got your genre. Search Jen Lowry at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, Kobo, and more. And for my Bible devotionals, you'll see my full name, Dr. Jennifer Eichner Lowry on Amazon. So I challenge you today to go out there and write something inspiring and share it with the world. Thanks for joining me on Jen Lowry Writes. You guys have a blessed day.